Lord, we do love you. We thank you for yet another day to worship you and to adore you, to, to sing of your name and sing of your goodness. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to open up the Bible, to live in a country where we can freely do this. This is a real gift. And God, we think this morning about those brothers and sisters who are following you in difficult places. We're opening the Bible, owning a Bible, reading the Bible, talking about the Bible could lead to arrest or real physical harm. And we, we say, Lord, bring strength to those who are suffering because of your name. And at the same time, we thank you for freedom. And we see this as a gift and grace from you that we don't deserve, but we're going to enjoy. Help us to make the most of it in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. All right, so uh, a little bit of an update. One of our elders, uh, Steve Marshman, and his wife Vicki have been going for the last few years uh, through a struggle with leukemia. Vicki has had that. Uh, many of you know she defeated the first round of leukemia by the grace of God, and she's, uh, it came back in another form. Some of you may not know that, but a lot of you are praying. I wanted to give you an update. I'm keeping in touch with Steve pretty much daily, and uh, she was in ICU all last weekend, and frankly, the thought was that she might not even make it uh, after her second round of attacking with chemo, this new leukemia. Um, it was one of those, wow. But by the grace of God, she's out of ICU and very, very, very slowly recovering in a dedicated ward where um, she's waiting to just gain strength only to get more rounds of, of chemo in the days to come. So continue to pray for them. I was able to visit them um, this week, at least see Steve, and I'll wait for the end, but he had some insight. Sometimes when people are going through things, they, have, they know stuff we don't know. They learn stuff we have yet to learn. So I'm going to pass on a nugget that I got from Steve, uh, literally at the hospital's like little cafe where we were just grabbing coffee, and he's blurted out something like, whoa, stop. I need, I need to write that down, right? Please repeat it. And I wrote it down, and I, I asked if I could share that with you, and he's like, if it helps anyone, uh, by all means, do that. So I'll, I'll wait for the end. That's my hook to say, pay attention. Okay, wait till the end. All right, we're in a series in Ephesians, and we're learning who we are. And so we're looking at 10 truths this morning, or this, this season, 10 truths, one each week, to define this new 10 years, this new decade. And so far, I hope these things have been helpful. Now, when I say these things are true of you, it doesn't mean you're always living this way. To say something's true of you doesn't mean you're always living into it, but we want to remember the truest things about us so that we could live this way, right? And we'll just recap the ones we've done so far. We are, we are one in Jesus. We're a real family. We're gifted differently. We're new. We're fully forgiven. We're loved. All of these things are true. And we are light. We looked at that last week. All of these things are true about us. And if those things are true, how are we supposed to live? That's six things so far. Let's look at the seventh in Ephesians 5. Verses 15. Here's what it says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and, spiritual, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music 
from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's, what's going on here? The seventh thing I want us to see this morning, we're going to drill in on, is this reality, this truth that we are filled. Write it down. We are, we are filled. Now it's going to take the rest of our time to discern what that means and what that doesn't mean. But I think it's hysterical when you look at this idea of we are filled that Paul has to remind people who are following Jesus how to behave. This, this may not seem like a big deal to you. But he actually has to say, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, because the days are evil. And so we never get to a place in following Jesus, hear me. We never get to a place where we don't need to be reminded what's true of you may not be lived out right now, but it should be. The things that are right about you, you are filled, I am filled. Sometimes I don't live this way. And so Paul has to say, hey, don't live without sense. He says, don't be foolish in the way you live. In other translations, don't be silly. Stop being silly. Stop being ignorant. Rather, be wise in the way that you live your life. Now, what does it mean to be live filled? I'm going to get to that. But first, I want us to think about what Paul is tapping into. I have no like proof, but I have a feeling, just a feeling, that Paul may be thinking about something that Jesus taught. And so I want to look there first because whether Paul's thinking about it or not, if you read this thought from Jesus, you're going to see a total parallel to how Paul says we're supposed to live. So we'll take a little rabbit trail for a second. Uh, after Easter, we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount, which is the largest teaching we have in the Bible from Jesus himself. And it's uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I want us to get to the punchline. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus summarizes the whole thing with an illustration that is graphic and has everything to do with what we just read from Paul in Ephesians 5. Let's just look there. Matthew 7, if you want to turn your Bible, Matthew 7, hold your place in Ephesians 5. Matthew 7, verse 24. And he says, this is everything I've just said. Everything comes down to this story. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built their house on sand. I said person only because man here does not mean male. It means male or female. Verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus gives, after saying all of this truth about living in God's world, God's way, here's what it is like. There's a person who built their house wisely. There's a person who built their house foolishly. One thrived and made it through the storm. The other one fell with a great crash. And what Jesus says, it has everything to do with what you do with Jesus's words. 
Now, we're going to get to what it means to be filled. We're going to get to what it means to live not foolishly but wisely and how that plays out in what we eat and drink. We're going to get to that. But I first want us to think about what Jesus is saying. He's saying that some days are evil. Some days are just evil. Not all days. Some days are rosy and sunny. Those days are coming. I think theoretically today the sun's going to shine. Was it shining when you walked in? No, it was, yes. Some of you were here early enough, it's just foggy. But the fog's going to lift and the same world is going to be there. Some days are like that. They seem filled with sunshine and hope and joy and you could smell the roses and it's beautiful. And other days feel evil, don't they? Feel evil. I think being in the hospital right now and watching your wife suffer with cancer, that seems pretty evil to me. And, and what Jesus says, and I want us to get this, is following him does not exempt us from evil days. Some get confused and think, God doesn't love me. The gospel isn't good. Jesus isn't real. Why? Because if Jesus were real, why am I going through this right now? Why me? Why now? Hear me. Christians get cancer. Christians suffer with depression and anxiety and other forms of mental illness. We go through sorrow. We go through pain. We go through bankruptcy. We go through evil. All of that happens because Jesus said there was a person who felt storms crash against them. The waters rise. The streams seem like they're going to drown them, but they did not fall. Look at what Paul says, in contrast to that story, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So evil and all sorts of things that you don't want do happen, even though we love Jesus. This is the real world. By the way, this is not a surprise. It's exactly what Jesus says. That's why Jesus says, everyone who hears my words and does not Put them into practice. Wow. We'll get into the heart of what it means to make it through life storms. What does it mean for you to be filled? We're going to get to that. I need you to see, though, storms happen to everyone. And the difference is what you do with Jesus' words now. Not when the storm comes. When the storm comes, it's too late. Notice, there was one who built their foundation, the core of their life, on their own way of thinking. Because Jesus says, those who don't take my words, hear them, put them into practice, are those who do their own thing based on their own words or someone else's words. And guess what happened? The same thing happened. Evil days came to the person who built poorly. By the way, when you're looking at a house, you don't notice the foundation, do you? You just look at all the, you look at the walls, you look at the paint job, you, you look at the landscaping. You don't notice. Have you ever gone to someone's house and say, man, this is a killer foundation. Wow. Maybe if you're in construction, you say that. We ignore the foundation, forgetting the foundation is what will keep that house standing when a storm comes. And so Jesus says, man, how you live. Now he says, the end, the person who didn't hear me and put it into practice, they fell with a great crash. Gosh, I hope, man, now, I've watched, I've, we've, been as a, we've been at church for almost eight years now, and I've watched some people go from no foundation to a solid foundation in Jesus and watch them go through evil days and stand. And hear me, I have watched people fall with a great crash. 
and it is never pretty, and it is never heartwarming, and it is never like, wow, what a good day to hear of the collapse of a brother or a sister in Jesus. But hear the warning. Jesus-loving people fall with a great crash. And it happens. The question is, will it happen to you? This truth, we are filled, means verse 17. Therefore, from Ephesians 5, therefore don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Is that not exactly what Jesus said? Those who hear the word of the Lord and put it into practice build a better foundation. All right, thinking back to Ephesians, and I think it's based on what Jesus taught here in Matthew 7. I want you to write these things down. They're going to be very helpful. Number one, we have the Holy Spirit. What Jesus says to them, they hadn't yet experienced the fullness of the Spirit because Jesus had not been crucified. He had not risen from the grave. He had not sent the Spirit. But he's saying, you can know my words and stand. Now those of us on the other side of the resurrection, guess what we have? Not only do we have the words of Jesus, we have right now the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the good news of your salvation. And when you believed, that is, when you heard good news and you actually did something about it, you trusted it, you were, watch this one, marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Notice the progression. We have to hear the good news that we are sin-filled and God is not. But God in his love sent his son Jesus to pay our sin debt in full so that in his death, our death could die. And our sin could be paid for. And on the cross, Jesus said, it's finished. I have taken the sin of everyone everywhere who will hear and follow me. So because Jesus died and rose again does not mean that everyone is now rescued. It means those who having heard it, put it into practice, believe, trust, hold on to it. Jesus, I want your rescue. Now, if that is you, guess what? You now have the Holy Spirit because the picture here was very graphic to them. It was an agrarian society. People had animals. And so you marked your animals with a seal, a brand. The picture here is those who belong to Jesus Christ have been branded by God. Why would you brand your animals? Because whose animals are you going to take care of? Your animals. Now, you're not an animal. Notice the vivid picture, though. These are marked as mine. I love them. I protect them. I care for them. They belong to me. And so, we, now, we're not, we're not branded. You want to get a cross tattoo? Congratulations. That doesn't mean you're branded by God. It just means you got a tattoo. The brand that we have is God gave us the Holy Spirit. So when God sees, this is crazy. When God sees you, this just came to me, so help me. I'm just trying to process it myself. He sees himself. Think about it. He gave you himself. So when God sees you, he sees himself. The deposit guaranteeing what's to come. In other words, this boy, this girl is mine. And I'm going to bring him home. Which is beautiful news. Now, that's only part of the story, though. Because what Paul is going to say here is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command. 
So, so write this down as well. We have the Holy Spirit. God has given you the Holy Spirit. But we are also commanded to an ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is going to seem like a paradox, but it's imperative that you understand what he's saying in order to realize what it means to be filled and then how to live a life that doesn't crash, that doesn't lead to destruction. Filled here, when he says be filled with the Holy Spirit, he's not suggesting something. He's commanding them. You have the Holy Spirit. Now, you've got to be filled. Now, he is not saying you've got to find the Holy Spirit, beg the Holy Spirit, Spirit, please fill me. The, the tone in the original language is it's something it is done to you. So he is saying, I'm telling you, Jesus people, long for the Holy Spirit to fill you more and more. Not that you're begging God to fill you. He already is in you. But that you live in a way that says, God, I know you're with me, but there's a lot of me that's still me. I want more of you. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill me. Keep allowing the Spirit to fill you again and again and again. Now, that's the paradox. We have the Holy Spirit, but we need to be filled again and again. Why? Write this down. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. Jesus said there was a wise man who built their life on him. How am I going to be that wise person? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who fills us with wisdom. Look at verse 15 again. Be careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. How do you know what the Lord's will is for your life? Guess what? God has given you the Holy Spirit. Now you can know the will of God. But it doesn't mean you're going to ask. This is so hard. God already wants to and already sees who you are and can be. And now he's inviting you to invite him. I've given you my Holy Spirit. Now do you want to build your life based on me? Or do you want to build this life based on you? And Jesus says there's two different ways with two different outcomes. And I'm saying if we will live wisely, the way we do that is we recognize, I have the Holy Spirit, but I need to long for more of the Spirit working inside of me. So write this down. The two things I said combined. We have the Holy Spirit, and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Underline the word can. Because he commands him, be filled, it implies you may not be. Doesn't mean the Spirit hasn't sealed you. You belong to Jesus Christ. You don't have to doubt that. Your home is heaven. You don't have to doubt that. Your life can be hell. You need to remember that. Your life on earth can be hellish if you choose to ignore the filling of the Spirit, if you choose to ignore the reality of the Holy Spirit, if you choose to ignore the power of the Holy Spirit, your life on earth can be wrecked. It doesn't have to be, and that's not God's will for you. Therefore, don't be foolish. Instead, understand what the will of the Lord is. So let me ask you a series of questions. You have to answer this. Do you want this? Does the Holy Spirit have your attention? Does the Holy Spirit have you at all? Or are you just doing your own thing? Are you open to his communication? Are you open to his leading? Are you open to his power? 
all of these are questions that sometimes, you know what? We've never, never been told we should. Some of us have just not been told. Like, you never learned that there's more than just entering into the kingdom of God. We enter in to now walk in the kingdom of God. We start a race to run a race. We begin a journey to continue it. And some of us, lack of teaching or just a lack of care, have said, well, I'm kind of in, but in doesn't seem that exciting. And I tell you, you walk with the Holy Spirit and your life will be the most thrilling life ever. It doesn't mean you won't have evil days. It doesn't mean storms won't come. But it will be the most thrilling life because you will watch as the waves come and the streams rise and you don't fall. You don't. Your life stands. And at the end of that storm, guess what happens? Other people who are crashing see you standing and they simply say, how? And you're able by the grace of God to say, let me tell you what Jesus has done. And some of you are living that right now. People are coming to you because you're standing. And I say, well done. Now, all right, what does it mean to be filled? <laughs> We're going to get to that right now. Here's one way, and it's not the only way, but Paul seems to press into it. And because Ephesus is like Portland, I think we should really listen. Anything in the Bible we should listen to, anything written to Ephesus we should really listen to. Notice verse 18, very convicting. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two different ways of being filled. Now, what happens when we allow substances to control our thinking? I will, I'll throw out some facts because sometimes context is, is helpful. In 2016, more, in America, more than one million people were arrested intoxicated by alcohol or other narcotics. One million in America. At the same time, 111 million self-reported that they had been drunk or under the influence of something while driving. Marijuana, right now, 13% of people driving a car at night are under the influence of marijuana. That's almost one in 10 cars facing coming your way the person driving is high right now. Yes, I think all of you are going to learn how to walk because that's frightening. One in, 17's, uh, one in 17's binge drink right now. One in 100 parents believe it's their kids. That's happening right now. More than a third of teenagers polled said they drive better under the influence of marijuana. It actually calms them down. Frightening. Now let's talk Oregon. Illicit drug, drug, drug use in Oregon is higher by far than the national average. And in 2012 and 2013, Oregon ranked number two in all states per capita in the illegal use of painkillers for intoxication. All of this is happening. What in the world do we do about it? And I cut these stats in half for time. I could go on for days and all of these were verified and given to me by our former chief of police. This is not made-up stuff. This is where we live. Now, what do we do about this? Hear me. Anything that hinders the power of the Spirit in your life should be stopped. Anything that's hindering the power of the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you 
needs to be silenced. That voice is a real voice, and that voice can pull you to places you never thought. So we need to be very... Now, he says, know what the Lord's will is, and the next thing he says is don't be intoxicated. Instead, be intoxicated by the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled by any one or thing other than the Holy Spirit. So real questions we need to ask. Should you drink at all? As you read the Bible, for one, if you're underage, it's illegal. You should not drink. Number two, just because you're the legal age doesn't mean as a Jesus follower you should drink. A case could be made to say that you should avoid it altogether. I'm not saying you should. You have to ask that honest question, though. We say, I, I just like to enjoy it sometimes, to which I would say, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, except the reality of binge drinking is a reality. And so you may be saying, well, I have a stressful day, so I have to have a drink. Or it's helpful. I would say, be careful. If the motivation is to de-stress your life, if the reason for consuming alcohol is to remove a pressure from your life, just be careful of where that's going to bring you. You need to be careful. Because it's a very slippery slope from one to two, and from two, hear me, to four. It usually multiplies. Not in ways that we thought, but that's the way it is. Mommy drinking is a real thing. The stress of a kid and bottles of wine are consumed to stave off the pressure of parenting. Call it daddy drinking too. And so if the stress of being a parent requires that you drink in excess to make it through the day, here's what I'm simply saying. We need to be careful of where this is taking us. And so that's just alcohol. Now let's talk about marijuana. Should you use recreational marijuana at all? In Washington, California, and Oregon, it's legal. It's legal, and it's increasingly acceptable. And by the way, it will only increase and it being acceptable as normal behavior. Should you, though, as a Jesus follower, and hear me with love, and I speak on behalf of our leadership team that I sent all this information to, the answer is no. The answer is no. You should not use recreational marijuana at all. Now, there are multiple reasons why. I'll just give you one. There is a biological difference between, and a chemical difference, between alcohol and marijuana quote from WebMD, and just read it. There are other sources that say the same thing. They said it in succinctly. And we'll put up the quote. I want you to read this. The main psychoactive ingredient, THC, stimulates the part of your brain that responds to pleasure like food and sex. Now that unleashes a chemical called dopamine, which gives you a euphoric, relaxed feeling. If you vape or smoke weed, the THC could get into your bloodstream quickly enough to get you high in seconds, in seconds, or in minutes. The THC level usually peaks around 30 minutes. Its effect may wear off in one to three hours. If you drink or eat pot, it may take many hours for you to be fully sober. Here's the alarming one. You may not always know how potent your recreational marijuana might be, end quote. So, if you can get high in seconds, and every individual is different, 
you are probably more high than you realize. And you say, but it relaxes me. I am not talking about medical marijuana where it has been prescribed as an, as an alternative to an opiate. I'm, I'm not talking about a prescription. I'm talking about down the street with the little leaf. I'm saying in Christian love, don't. Okay, so you're going to say, well, Jose, that seems quite legalistic for you to say, be filled with the Spirit. Paul didn't even realize marijuana was around. And how, how can you hinder, like, what, isn't, this, isn't it Christian life about freedom and liberty? To which I would say, yes, but answer all of these questions honestly. And if you would like to meet one-on-one, I would, I would love to meet with you. Why do you need to get high? Just answer that. Are you running from or avoiding something? You have to answer that. Because if you have to get high to be relaxed, if you cannot get relaxed in the grace of God, in that you are loved by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, you are new, you belong to Jesus, you belong to the family of God, if you have to add a substance more than that, I have to ask you, not are you, what are you running from? Are you running from boredom? A major use is boredom. Could it be there are things that God wants to be involved in you haven't even thought about? There are good things. You could actually be involved in people's lives. You could be making a difference. But at a boredom, you say, I'm just going to get high. It makes me feel better. Are you struggling with a complicated relationship and that makes you calm? Are you trying to de-stress? And then answer this one. Is it honestly drawing you closer to Jesus and leading you to wisdom? Is it leading you to Jesus and wisdom? If not, why are you taking the risk of putting your life into the control of something that brings you out of control and will normally lead you to different behavior? And, and, and no matter what your opinion on this matter. You could totally disagree with everything I'm saying. You can totally disagree with it. Here's what we need to agree on. There is no place for a Jesus follower to be drunk or high. So if you're using the excuse, it's not, I'm not getting that drunk or I'm not getting that high, you're missing the point. You're just missing the point. Now a word. Why? Here's why. God wants to fill you. The reason to avoid drinking on the whole as a growing habit, I'm not saying you can't enjoy, but I'm saying is that enjoyment taking you on a road. The reason to be cautious about this is because instead of God filling you, something else is. And I'm going to say this, God's better filling without regret and so don't make this you know uh, don't make this I can't believe this church is saying that but rather say like wow thank God this church is telling me something that no one else is saying Um, and here's a practical word for you right now some of you are getting high regularly you're getting drunk regularly you don't call it drunk you don't call it high but that's what it is there's grace for you this is not the end of the road this is not a slap on the wrist and how dare you This is an invitation to wake up, wake up, oh sleeper, and Christ will dwell in you. 
but you need to wake up. And if you're at a spot where you say, like, I am struggling, you're not alone, there are multiple people in this room getting high, I don't know it for a fact, but I'm smart. <laughs> Hear me. Repent. Throw it away. Repent. And turn to Jesus to receive love. Grace, forgiveness, love, mercy. You're going to make it. And guess what I found? I'll use a different illustration altogether. I've taken sugar for the most part out of my life since the beginning of the year. And I love sugar. Sugar is my best friend. <laughs> Six weeks into reducing sugar, I don't long for it like I did. Now, I don't think it's bad. And now I'll have a little bit. It's like, wow, that was really good. I don't need any more of it. If you will say no to things that might be harmful, guess what you're going to find? You don't need them. You have Jesus. You don't need him. All right. Now, hopefully, at this point, you're saying, well, then how do I get filled with the Spirit? Hopefully. How do I grow in the filling of the Spirit? Look at verse 18. Don't get drunk on wine. That leads to debauchery. It said be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing, make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll, I'll keep reading to verse 21 because it's tied to it. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There are two commands here followed by four things that mark the two commands. What are the two commands? Don't get drunk and be filled. That's the command. Don't get drunk, be filled. They're both commands. They're not suggestions. What are the four things that mark it? Well, speaking, singing, thanking, and submitting. There are two, if you're reading this in the original language, there are two ways to read this. And I want to give you both, and here's why. Both are helpful. One way to read it is it's the result of. So don't get drunk, be filled with the Spirit. And what are the results? The results are singing, worship of God, love of God, speaking, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. In other words, Words from God come out of our mouth for one another. Thanking. We begin to see what God has done. We're grateful. We encourage one another. And submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus. We don't live for ourselves. We don't live arrogantly. We live humbly. God, thank you that you brought this person into my life because they're helping me follow you. Man, it's painful, but tough love is better than imitation love. Lord, thank you for this community. Thank you for what you're doing. I love you. It's the result. So, don't get drunk, you get filled. The result is these things. That's one way to read it. There's another way to read it, which says, those are the means by which we're filled with the Spirit. In other words, how do I grow in filling the Spirit? By speaking to one another. The, the means, the way I am filled again and again with the Spirit is I choose to speak to you words from God. I, I choose to listen to God. I choose to press into God. I choose to worship God with you. Could it be that your very coming consi consistently to worship God is the means by which you are filled with the Spirit? I choose to say, I could be home sleeping. I could be brunching. I could be doing anything. But I am with God's people. This is the way that God fills me up. That by thanking God together, when I'm hearing you thank God for what he's done, and I'm, I'm thanking God for what he's done, this is the way my tank is filled. When I submit myself and I hear tough words like, you should avoid this, 
because it's not going to help you. This is the way God fills us with the Spirit. How do you read it? Both, you literally could read it in the original language both ways. I want to suggest both are helpful. It, when we choose to say yes to God, the result is worship. When we worship, the result is filling. In other words, God wants to grow us, but we need to want to grow in the grace of God. Now, why does this matter? I was telling you that update about Stephen Vicky and that one little nugget, and uh, pay attention now. The rest, hopefully, has been a good intro to this. In talking with Steve, he made this an honest confession, sitting at that little cafe in the hospital, and I'm gonna, I wrote it down as best as I could. Quote, Jose, I can't imagine going through all of this without the foundation that Vicky and I have in Jesus. And I think about all the Bible reading we've done and the study we've done, and what if I didn't have those things to process what we're going through? And it's made me realize, and catch this one, it's made me realize that growing in relationship with God is about more than having wisdom and insight for today. It's that even in the dry seasons, we read and we study the Bible so that we're building up a foundation for us to be able to stand in the future. And this is, this is the, the line that ought to catapult us to our knees. What you don't realize is that if you don't have that foundation before you hit tragedy, you'll realize it's too late to form one. Wow. End quote. Like, I was like, oh my gosh. Now, Steve and Vicki are some of the most godly people I've ever met. Like, I'm not exaggerating. They're some of the most Jesus-like people I have ever met. But even now, in their tragedy, they are learning the importance of building a foundation now. He had no idea I was preaching on this text. He had no idea. I just went to visit him. He had no idea. But I thought, aha, that is speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He has an insight that all these years weren't just about like, give me today my daily bread. It was actually cultivating a foundation in God that has given them strength to stand in years of trial, not just months, years. So two questions to ask you, and we're going to respond in worship now. What steps are you taking to be filled with the Spirit together with other people? What, what steps are you taking? And how are we going to grow in wisdom together? How we, this is something that just doesn't happen. He speaks it to the whole church, everyone, leaders, newcomers included, because we all need the filling of the Spirit every day. All right. I hope that you've gotten something out of this. This morning now, it's time to respond. What does that look like? Can I just say, if you are using and abusing substances, you are loved, you're welcomed, come and struggle. Struggle for freedom. Struggle. Wrestle with God and ask Him to be God in your life. And don't do it alone. So if you're really in a spot where you're like, man, I don't even know if I can do this by myself. Well, you never were supposed to. And you don't have to. So we have a prayer team you could reach out to. We have others you know here in the church you could reach out to. Let's be real. And let's be filled with the Spirit again and again. Amen.
why don't you stand on your feet and uh, the worship team's going to come and we're going to ask God to fill us afresh. And that means emptying us of the stuff that's unlike him. The filling of a cup only makes sense if there's room, right? So is there room in your cup for the filling of God or is it so filled with this other stuff? It's why we repent. Repent is to turn back to God. Say, God, get rid of the old so that I can enjoy the new. Lord, we come under your beautiful, loving, caring hands. And we ask for mercy. We're not not asking for what we deserve. We're asking for mercy and grace. God, we have all failed in some of these areas and definitely in others. But we return to you as loved children. We are the light. You've already given us the Holy Spirit. We belong to one another. We are gifted. All these things are so true. So now we just want to simply say no to the stuff that doesn't make sense because of who we are now, because of you. We want to say no because they no longer make sense. They don't fit. But yet we struggle, Lord, in actually saying no so that we can say yes to you. So Holy Spirit of God, awaken us so that Christ, you could shine on us and we can live filled. Jesus.